Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. In Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, it's a beautiful scripture found in the New Testament. It says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census or this count of people first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph, meaning Jesus' father, earthly father, Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Bethlehem, everybody say Bethlehem, which means house of bread, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was that as they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. Somebody say it was time to give birth. Verse 7 says, and this is, this is really where I want to put emphasis on this particular verse. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, This last verse is really what I want to speak on this morning. Because there was no room for them in the inn. Everybody say, because there was no room for them in the inn. You may have your seats. I'm in a different kind of season because where I used to find God, I don't find God anymore. Anybody ever felt that way? Like, used to maybe find Jesus through prayer, although we should always pray daily. I don't know if you know what I mean. Like, I used to be able to do certain things and it would just be like the presence of God. I could sense Him in a tangible way and then that season changes, kind of like the season change for Joseph's family, like where they found God, they know they have to go somewhere else now to find God, which would mean actually the wilderness for them is where God revealed. Isn't that funny how God can bring you from a season of promise into a season of wilderness to reveal a different side of himself? Doesn't feel funny and doesn't feel fun either, but, but um, I used to, like in the green room, when we first started the church and even years before, I'll just tell you. Can I tell you a little background about myself? Something that you may not know. I came from a big church. I don't know a church in Orlando that is as big as the church I came from. Uh, On any given Sunday morning, we would have about 10,000 people every Sunday morning. I was, how I knew is because I was the park, one of the parking lot attendants. I was just maybe in my late teens and I was in my early 20s. And it would take at least one hour, maybe an hour and a half just to get all the cars off the premises. Every single Sunday, year after year, I was a little bit of a church boy after I got saved. I was in church maybe four days a week, minimal. 
and then three services on Sunday. I would squeeze in the doors like after we got everybody parked and, and it was like, um, it was massive, massive ministry. And, you know, but there was, there was one thing I didn't really, you know how sometimes you don't realize certain things when you're in it, when you're engulfed in something, you just don't see clearly, you don't have a, a panoramic view of everything. But now that I've been out of it for a long time, there was, although it was a wonderful ministry, it always seemed like somebody was clawing at the heels of the pastor just trying to get to the preaching throne. You know what I mean? Anybody ever experienced that before? Like they, like they, were, they, were, they were after something more than just the Lord? Like after, did you know like you can be in the Lord's house and even love Jesus to a degree, but actually love what he wants to do for you more than you actually love him? And, and like and everything that you're doing, it, although it appears like the motive appears like I'm so radically in love with Jesus, but actually the reason that you pray as much as you do is because you want to see the manifestation of the promise more than you want to see him, more than you want to be in relationship with him? Did you know that? The things that you're doing for the Lord is, can be, if you're not careful, the motive behind that can be your desire to simply move his heart to do something for you versus your full desire being in relationship with him. Are you hearing me this morning? And what God has done all throughout history this is the only thing you can count on. And let me just say this. The more I've got to know Jesus, can I tell you where I'm at? The more I'm really realizing and, and the more unfit I feel spiritually, and I think it, I'd like to think it's a sign of spiritual maturity, is I'm realizing how much I really do not know him. Anybody ever felt that way? Like you think you get to know him and then he, you know, shifts things, like he changes forms. All throughout the Bible, you see Jesus Christ changing forms. It's still his nature, but he comes, he shows up in the book of Genesis as the Spirit of God. There's no body. He's the Spirit of God hovering over the waters. And then also in Genesis, he becomes the seed of the woman. Remember the scripture that says uh, that, that, that the seed of the woman, um, he talks about uh, the Lord himself will... will, will will crush Satan with his heel and that the Lord himself will actually have his heel bruised, but he'd crush the serpent. This was speaking of Jesus coming. Like these are all foreshadows of Jesus, meaning that Jesus would come, he would get crucified, but he would only be bruised. That was just a bruise, right? Because you can't, you, you, Jesus is the only giver of life. Like he's alive, he's well now, he only got bruised, he didn't get destroyed, but Satan is going to be destroyed. So all throughout scriptures, from the book of Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation, as I've been taking communion, as I've been spending time with Jesus, and as you spend time with Jesus, you will begin to see Jesus all throughout the scriptures. In the story of Joseph, remember how he was sold? He had 11 brothers. He was sold for shekels of silver, just like Jesus was betrayed and sold for shekels of silver. Jesus was thrown, went to the pit and got the keys from the devil, just like Joseph was thrown into the pit. And then he made a way, and he was a type and shadow of a savior that Jesus would one day be. Do you see that? 
And then you see Jesus also in the book of Exodus as the Passover lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world, who gives food for all those who would receive, meaning they partook of the lamb of God, the the lamb which was the flesh of the lamb. You see that? And then you've got the book of, uh, you've got uh, further on in in the life of Abraham when Abraham is about to kill his only son. But then God makes a way and puts what in the bush? He puts a ram in the bush. Jesus then became, it was a, Jesus was that ram becoming the scapegoat for humanity. And then you got in the book of Numbers, Nehemiah. You see it all throughout the scriptures. He's the rebuilder of the broken walls, which Jesus is doing right now. And he actually says that when the church is built, the gates of hell will not be destroyed. He was Nehemiah in the Old Testament. He was in the book of Numbers, who was the cloud by day and the fire by night. He was in the book of Judges as the great judge. And in the, in the book of Ruth, he was also the kinsman redeemer. And in Leviticus, he was the high priest. And in the book of Psalms, he's the sweet shepherd that leads us by still waters, according to the book of Psalms, verse 23. In Isaiah, guess who he is? He is the suffering servant. And in, in, in Hosea, look who he is. He's the prophet who marries an undeserving prostitute, just like Jesus marries his bride, myself, and us as the body of Christ, who is undeserving and unworthy of that type of love that knows no bounds. Showing that it's not about an equal thing, right? It's not about, hey, you're good enough for me to love. No, he loved us right where we were at and rescued us right where we were at. Amen. And on and on and on. And I want to draw an emphasis on this particular scripture that there was no room for him in the end because God made this statement for a reason. There was no room. Say there was no room. You know why there was no room? Because after, after decades and decades, century after century, After the move of God, they begin to build religion around what once was. Remember the cloud by day, the fire by night, the tabernacle? Then they begin to build these structures, right? These buildings, which is fine. And God is no longer in their religion where God was dwelling, where God was moving at one point in time. Now he's kind of left the building. And the reason there was no room is because in this dispensation, all throughout history, God moving in different ways, like a ram, like Joseph, like Nehemiah. Now he shows up in a manger in swaddling clothes and they don't even have room for the king who just came in the flesh. The word of God who just became flesh and dwelt among us. And I was feeling by the spirit as I was praying this morning, just sitting before the Lord, that there's many people in this room, even right now, You are in a season where you do not not recognize God in a place that you used to recognize him. You don't sense God the way that you sensed him in the seasons past. Come on, am I talking to anybody this morning? Because he's wrapped in swaddling clothes like God doesn't look like that. He used to be a cloud by day and a fire by night, but now I don't even see him in that. You have to be careful with God because as soon, as soon as you think you got him figured out, he'll change forms. I remember, I remember, I've I've known Dean for too long, 20, 20 years, maybe more. I remember Dean's success came his way right away, right away. 
and I'm speaking to some of you, not just Dean, right away, as soon as he gave his heart to the Lord, it was like the Lord, didn't he? Swing, swung wide every single door. The favor of the Lord was evident. You got around him. You touched what he touched. It began to prosper. But then something began to happen. Suffering. Knee replacement. He's okay. He tells you guys this stuff too. Stents. Five kids he adopts and all these things begin to happen. And, and you have to be careful in these seasons of your life because when God switches the game, it doesn't mean he's not with you. He switches the game because he wants you to simply see a side of himself that he has not revealed to you. Just like I mentioned, like you will go, yes, you will, you will have seasons of your life where God supplies your need like the ram in the bush, like he gets you out when you didn't deserve to get out. He's revealing a side of himself to you. But then there's other seasons where he will reveal himself like he did to Isaiah, the suffering servant, and you will be called to suffer if you want to be able to see him. This is called the full counsel of God. And if you, as the body of Christ, I believe that the Lord is calling us to a higher standard. And for somebody in this room, it's not that God is not with you and not blessing you. As a matter of fact, God is blessing you even in your season of suffering and your misunderstanding of how he's moving. He's revealing a side of his character to you. And what is he trying to get you to do? See, see, we see him at, I think we're okay with the cross as long as we know that he suffered, he paid the price. But listen, you know what the Bible says? You know what your Bible says? I've read it in different versions. It says it's the same. Whoever desires to follow me must take up his own cross and follow me daily. So when you suffer with Jesus, you're actually understanding what he went through because you cannot fully understand him until you go through the same thing. Remember last week I was talking about the blessing in disguise, how God sometimes wraps your blessings in wrapping paper, basically, that you do not like, but the gift is, is wonderful. It's wonderful because we're getting to know different sides of God that we have never known before. Don't, don't discount the season that you're going through. Thinking that you can't see him. No, no, you are seeing him. Look at some, I want you to look at somebody right now and say, whether you know it or not, it's him. He's the sufferer. He's the shepherd. Like if you're feeling lost, like do I stay in this career? Do I not? Do I stay in this relationship? Do I not? That confusion is God wanting you to get to know him as the shepherd who leads his people. He leads. And you don't, you don't need to ask questions. It says his sheep know him by name. They know his voice and a stranger's voice. They will not follow. All you're called to do is not to ask questions. You're called to follow. And then when you're in a season where you're suffering physically, physically, God is showing a side of himself like I mentioned about the cross. When, when, you, when you identify when you identify in like a season of suffering, I was talking to somebody the other day. They started praying for people. They were wanting to quit on God. They were wanting to quit on God. And I was their cheerleader. I was like, you, got, you can't stop. You can't stop. This is unto something. Like the suffering is unto something. And for you who are out there suffering to whatever degree, relationally, financially, it doesn't matter. 
I'm telling you, if you hold on in the season of suffering, what's happening is you're identifying with Christ and after you are purged of whatever, when you are purged of any give up in you, God will increase the anointing and the power and his glory upon your life and you will be used mightily in his kingdom. Can, can I give you a scripture? Like, where is that scripture reference, pastor? Because we're not a weird church. We're, we're very scriptural. So I have to make sure that you guys understand what I'm saying here. Do you remember when Jesus was in the garden? Do you remember when Jesus, you remember he would have to lay hands on the sick or they would touch his garment, they would get healed or he would declare a word? Remember that? When at any, we talk about falling down in the, you know, we see falling down in the church, people, you know, convulsing, falling down. You're like, where is that in the scripture? Well, there is. One time in the Bible, in, in the Old Testament, there are several areas, but in the New Testament, I only really found one bona fide incident where Jesus, where they came to take him. And then they said, where is Jesus of Nazareth? And when he spoke, the Bible says they all fell back under the power and fell down. But you never see that recorded in any other area of the Bible, not in the New Testament. Why did that weight rest on him? It wasn't until his corpuscles began to break and his sweat became like drops of blood. What created it? Suffering and obedience. You never see the power of the Spirit rest on him at that, to that degree until he is down on his face and he says, let this cup pass from let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will. Remember that? And then the power of the Holy Spirit rests on him in a measure that we had not seen. Is everybody following me this morning? Because your obedience in a season of suffering increases the anointing and power because God cannot trust people who give up early. Look at somebody and say, stick it out. Stick it out. And so we're seeing in the New Testament, Jesus show up on the scene in a wrapping paper that they do not understand. And so there's no room for him in the end. Do not allow whatever you're going through in this season of your life to confuse you. I believe that many of us are going through something that doesn't look like God, but it is the Lord himself bringing you through it, using that thing to conform you, using that thing to grow you, using that thing to get you to trust him more. I have never seen the body of Christ being purged the way that I have, ever. I see, I see more people suffering. I see more people. I've seen so much dysfunction happening within families. I mean, the Lord is, the Bible says judgment starts with the house of the Lord first. How many, how many have been feeling that? God had never come that way before. He came that way through a deliverer like Moses parting the Red Sea, making a way of escape. But now, he's an innocent newborn and there's no room. In the earlier days, like I know I'm not that old, but I am a little bit. My friend came up to me during service. He said, I see that gray on your beard. Thanks a lot. 
if, if we don't listen, God, we are not, we're, God is not called, thank you, Lord. This is for somebody. God is not called to serve your purposes. We are called to serve his. You are not called to conform him to your life or your lifestyle. His hardship that he allows, pain, suffering, obstacles, challenges, they are meant to conform you for only one reason and one reason only. So that you can identify with him because there's something, you, you know, you know, this is why you talk to Susie and you get with your friends. Well, like when you understand, like your boyfriend leaves you and then you go talk to her who, and she, you know, somebody left her as well. And then there's this identification. Like it's like, you know how, like with sickness or whatever it might be, it's like you can't talk to somebody who's walking in, you know, divine health because they don't understand when you go through hardship pain, tragedy, child loss, whatever it might be, you are literally getting to understand Jesus. And when that happens, intimacy takes place because there's an identification. So don't discount anything that you're going through this morning. Understand that the Lord, listen, he works out all things together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose confusion. It means confusion as well. It means child loss. It means job loss. It means financial trouble. It means all different types of things because Jesus is using that to draw you into a rich relationship with him. Come on, say amen. To forfeit, to forfeit whatever it is that you're facing is to forfeit what he's promised you. Can I tell you what life is really about? Life is a giant classroom. I've been going to go pray lately. This, you should pray. Look at somebody and say, keep praying. Go ahead, tell them. I, I said this, I think, last week. I want to emphasize it. I want to put in a... I want to put a nice big exclamation, a bold exclamation point on it. But lately, when I go to go pray in front of people and there's any type of, uh, how do I say this, um, performance, when there's any performance in me, the presence of the Lord will lift like that. They're in the green room. They probably don't understand the past couple, even the past few Sundays. They're like, you know, they'll start taking over and praying. And, and uh, you know, and me, as soon as I start opening up and try to go for that, it's like the Lord says, shut up. <laughs> Look at somebody and say, no, don't, don't, don't. don't, don't. <laughs> recently. I don't want to get weird, but I had a dream and I know dreams represent, people in dreams represent something. It's not an actual, sometimes if you dream about, you know, Susie or John, it doesn't mean it's John, but that person represents something in your dream. Are you hearing me? Anybody ever dream, any dreamers in the room? 
I'm going somewhere. Just hang on. But in this dream, there was this minister who passed back in the 70s. And uh, it was a female. And I was in a room with her. And I didn't know the interpretation of the dream. I called Tamaki. I'm like, what does this mean? This means something. Either that or the, the pizza that I ate last night, the pepperonis were like outdated. And this was an affair, a very effective minister. Somebody I love, quote, love dearly, always have as a little boy. I always respected effective ministry. And I was, I was, I was in this room. It was a split room and it was wide open. And in the dream... I didn't want to tell this publicly, but I will. In the dream, I wasn't permitted to speak. She let me in her office, and I was just there. And I was only, she would only let me observe how she functioned. Like what made her ministry effective. This does not mean numbers. This doesn't mean amounts of people. Just the effectiveness, the relationship she had with the Holy Spirit, with the Lord Jesus himself was effective. You could, you could, you know how when you get around certain people and you know they, they walk with God? Like it's, it, it's, it's not, you ever heard somebody who knows how to quote scriptures and you're thinking in your head and you know you're too holy to say it, but you want to just say shut up? Like I don't, like, okay, you don't want to say shut up, but you're like, when are they going to stop talking? Like almost like your spirit is like irritated when they, the more they speak about God, it's like, you know why? Because you know, your spirit knows they don't have relationship with Jesus. You understand? And they're just talking. It's like, womp, 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 womp. And then you get around others and the scriptures become like honey. That's how your spirit knows they have relationship with the Lord. That's why the Bible says the letter killeth, but the spirit brings life. When somebody has genuine relationship with Jesus, Matthew 6 will sound really rich. But somebody else who doesn't, it's like, ah, just your spirit just irritates me. You ever felt that way? You ministers know exactly what I'm talking about. And I was, I was in this room. I was in this room, and it was one big room, but it, like the green room. It had one room that separated it, but no doors. And she made me sit there and watch her at her executive desk. And she was making phone calls, and she was trying to connect me. You could tell she was uh, about to pass on. You, you could tell that she was making arrangements, like arrangements of her death, and there was going to be a passing of a baton. And there was a new error about to happen and something was going to happen globally, globally, globally. This has nothing to do with me. It has something to do with what God is going to do with the church at large. That doesn't mean just ascension. She only permitted me, she came up, wanted to hug me and wanted me to watch how she functioned with other ministers and talk with them. But I knew in the dream, do not say a word. Shh. Only watch. And I knew that in the dream, I was in the school of what I would call the school of the spirit, learning, learning. You know, when you talk too much, you don't learn anything. When you get around people, just, I cannot tell you what is so unimpressive to me because some of you do it. This is a light rebuke. It's, it's like a pet peeve of mine. When, you, when someone comes up, there's nothing that turns someone off more when you come up and you share all of your scripture knowledge because that's such a sign that you want to be elevated and you are not proving that you are mature. You're actually proving that you're not ready. Oh boy. Oh boy. That's what Rick says. Oh boy. 
Y'all know Rick's corks like these. Oh boy. Because, because a, a, a man or woman of God who is mature knows that promotion doesn't come from the east or the west. It comes from above. And sometimes you just need to shh, observe and learn what God is doing in a certain house before you try to let people know all your gift settings and all of these things. And this was so powerful to me. And, 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 I, and I was talking to, I believe, Tamaki. Was I talking to you, Tamaki, about this dream? And as I, it came out of my mouth, she said, where were you? I said, I was in an office. And when it came out of my mouth, it, oh my gosh, it represents an office. Do you know what I mean by office? An office? Not an office like a room in the body of Christ. There are spiritual offices. When I spoke it out loud, it was like the interpretation fell on me. Do you remember that, Tamaki? An office. I said, oh my God, office. Why didn't I think about office? Because there was offices of prophets. There was offices of apostles. Come on, all five-fold ministers. There's an office of a pastor. Like if a man, he doesn't need to try or develop that pastoral gift. It's like, yes, he can mature it, but it's God who deposits it. It's God who calls him to the office means that's his function, that's his realm, that's where his ministry is going to be the most effective. Can I give you, can you give you a picture of a, an evangelist trying to be a pastor? That would be the worst thing you could do to an evangelist, is make him a pastor. Put him where he doesn't function. He would preach the same message, same salvation over and over again to the congregation. There wouldn't be much discipleship. But the pastor, he loves to host people. He loves people. He loves small groups, Bible studies, development of people's spiritual lives. But the evangelist is called to win souls. So if you want to make an evangelist unhappy, make him a pastor. You want to make a pastor unhappy, make him an evangelist and make him travel. He wants to go home to be with his family. He doesn't want to travel everywhere. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so I'm talking about an office. So I knew that the Lord was calling this church to a certain office. And sometimes you have to understand what God is doing in the seasons of your life and just stay quiet and learn what he's wanting to do because he's trying to teach you something. And the worst thing you could do is try to crawl out of the pit before you've learned the lesson. And this is why they rejected Jesus. I'm about to close in just a moment. You can stand to your feet. It'll make me hurry. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Whatever, just look at someone right now prophetically. With even if you're not prophetic, like, like, give them like the eye of the prophetic, like you're really prophetic, and say. It's time to stop fighting this. Make room for him. You have to make room for the Lord. Listen, the, the, the people that should accept Jesus coming to that town the most, the religious leaders, the guys who knew the Torah, the first five books of the Bible verbatim, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees were the very ones who made no room for him. And then he is born in this little manger because there was no room. 
So what is God calling us to do in this season? Is embrace, embrace in the way that he comes wrapped in this season of your life. Embrace it. Don't reject it. Do you hear what I'm saying? Does this, is this landing? You know, when you look at something, it's like, no, God won't move in that way. Yeah, that's exactly how he'll move. You know how it's no longer the Holy Spirit? Is when you can predict how he moves. Some of you have become professional Christians. You know exactly when to escape a room. You know exactly when the prayer benediction is going to start and is going to end. You know the tithe and offering. You know the lingo. You know all of that. And that is the worst place to be spiritually. That's where the Pharisees and the Sadducees were. It was all predictable. Jesus is unpredictable. And he showed that all the way from Genesis to Revelation. He showed he was the Spirit of God hovering over the waters. And then you see him unfold all throughout the Bible, coming up in different forms. And finally, he's wrapped in swaddling clothes. God in the flesh. The Word became flesh. Yet there was no room. If you don't make room, you will not grow. If I don't make room, I won't grow. If I don't learn to be silent and learn, sometimes our heads get in the way. Sometimes our education gets in the way. Sometimes our culture gets in the way. Sometimes even, watch this, sometimes our Bible knowledge gets in the way for the letter killeth, but the spirit brings life. Amen. Amen. Everybody just lift your hands to the Lord. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.